what's up this is the me and my more successful friends podcast i'm your host Lori marie today i'm coming to you from a very swanky apartment in west hollywood um i've started taking my podcast on the road so to speak which just means i just go to other people's houses because i hate people and i don't want you in my house and i don't want you using my bathroom i'm just kidding um so i have a really long time friend with me today i'm at j chris newberg's house are we still going with the j chris or is it chris newberg or it's always been the same situation where it's j chris on stage or like imdb wise mm-hmm. but it's chris if we're friends or just if we're talking okay but some people go j chris and that's also fine i'm not really a stickler the j came from the whole Back in the day when Ross Perot came on the presidential nomination scene, he was like H. Ross Perot. And I was like, well, I was born James, but I go by Chris. I'm going to do a pretentious first initial. So I became J. Chris. Okay. I think I call you both. Yeah, both are fine. Over the years. I think I've known you. I met you in 2013, uh-huh. if I'm remembering correctly. But do you remember the first time we ever met? The first time we ever met was probably at a comedy show. Okay. You were wearing a black sweater. You had on jeans, black shoes. Your hair was back. You had a hat on. Uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely certain of this. Uh, you had a drink in your left hand. <laughs> I feel um, like you're bullshitting. No. Uh, you uh, also uh, mentioned that you were new to the comedy scene. And I said, oh, that's great. And then I asked you a few different questions about it. And then you said, uh, can you tell that my cologne is Chanel number no. five? And I said, I can. <laughs> what? And then uh, you said, "If I now I'm I might be I might be off on this, but you just said this is so strange. I had a dream last night that you and I were going to meet today at this comedy show, and I said, oh, wait, were there jugglers in this dream?' And you were like, "Yes," and both of us at the same time were like, "Racquetball club," and uh. you were like, "Yeah," and that's basically when we first met, and then we became immediate friends. We hung out all the time. You, d- you did my podcast when you were very new to comedy. I did, when I was still going by a different name. Yes. Yeah. Now you're just other Lori in my phone. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did we meet at a comedy show? Okay, so basically all of that was a lie. Um, not, I not all of it. You were wearing okay. a black sweater. I did wear black a lot. Yeah. I wear black a lot. So that's like a really easy like thing to just throw out there. Um, I think that it was one of two places we either first met at the laugh factory because i had come there to see a couple comedian friends or we met at the den on sunset when it was karaoke night and i was there with a bunch of comics and i was leaving and you came up to me because we were we were with mutual people hanging out and you were like hey I'm a comic. I do stuff. I have a podcast. You should be on it sometime. That sounds like something that that like I think if this how many years ago was this? I think this was like 2013 because I think I was pretty new. Like I was maybe a year in, maybe like that just seems, shy of a year. That seems kind of like my wheelhouse of like socialization. Like you know, like yeah, hey, I'm a comic. Want to do my podcast? You no, you were like really excited. You were like, "Hey, you're cool. You're short." And then I think there was like another short girl, and you were like, "This girl's short too." And then you were like, "You should do my podcast." And then I was really put off and like scared of you. You were no, but I was like, "Who's this person?" Because I was getting hit up by a lot of male comics at the time. And so then I asked around, and people were like, "Oh yeah, no, he's cool. Like he does have a podcast." Mm-hmm. So then um, that was when you had a host. Yeah, it was with it was either Sam or it was Melissa. No, someone else. It was either Sam or Melissa. 
But then there was a guest, or maybe there was another guest on the day that I did the podcast. This was like at my old apartment in my kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was either Sam or Melissa. And there might have been someone else on the time. There might have been two guests. Yeah, maybe there was another comedian. I feel I can't remember her name, but I like started seeing her around after that everywhere. A comedian? Comedian. Kind of a writer. She wrote for MTV. I think her name started with a J. Jill Kushner? Not Jill. I feel like a Jenny. I don't know. A lot of drinking happened after this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know, it's so vague. It's like, or, uh, like I don't. I'm okay with selective recall. There's certain things I'm happy to not remember. I wouldn't say like how blacked out it is, as much as it's just like, I just don't remember that. Yeah. I mean, I do remember having a podcast. I do remember living in that apartment. I do remember that you were on it. So you don't remember meeting me? Of course I do. I mean, I'm, I remember knowing you for quite some time, yeah. and then I know that you and I usually have. Uh, not frequent, but fun, meaning like meaningful correspondence, whether it's Facebook chat or texting. Mm-hmm. It's always been very friendly. It's never been weird. Yeah, it's never been weird. We've never had any weird encounters. Yeah, and then um, I mean, I think it says a lot about someone in 2019 that you could trust them enough to show up at their apartment alone and talk. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> I mean, it's no, like it does. that's it's it's much like there's not one part of you that's like. Oh, I don't know if it's cool if I go over to DJ Chris's today to do this podcast, but like, let's say you met me last night. And I was like, just come over to my place. No one's going to be there. It's like, red flag. Yeah, in, in 2019, I'd be like, nah, probably not. In 2017 and before? Probably. Eh, whatever. Sure. sure. Why not? We'll just we'll just figure it out. If it gets weird, I'll, I have mace in my purse. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Make sure you get it all over the walls. Yeah. So it has like residual effects. This is a very nice big place. Good job. Thanks. I'm super successful. Um, that's why you're on the podcast. And that's why I'm on the wall. Yeah, you are on the wall. It's a great there's a painting on the wall, uh, of sorts. It's kind of a painting. It's basically Photoshop of Jay Chris doing some karate maneuver. Uh to Wilfred Brimley. Yes, well, thank you. I didn't know who that was. <laughs> That's the guy who does those commercials. He's like, diabetes. <laughs> okay, yes. Now I now I know. Yeah. So, okay, so let's circle back. So we, let's just assess and just say that, yeah, we met in comedy at some point. I think I saw you around at many at the comedy store a lot, the improv. And then after that, yeah, we just became friends. You became a confidant. So back in 2013, when I met you, you were doing a lot of things. So Yeah. Um, what's happened that. since then? Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> but like when I met you, I was I didn't know what I was doing, and I remember you gave me some really good advice, and you said, "If you do anything, don't sleep with male comics." It's great. It's <laughs> a great advice. Great advice. Yeah. I mean, it's a solid way to fuck your way to the middle or exactly where you are. Yeah. It I mean, really is. Yeah, it was something that. I wish you had told me, I wish I had met you like three weeks prior and then I could have really just taken that advice and ran with it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, look, comics, male comics, like very, very charming, Mm -hmm. very predatorial, but it's like very one and done, especially I remember hearing a a story about two different, two different uh, female comics told me the story. And I laughed really hard because they both uh, fooled around with the same comic. Mm. I 100% will not say the name of this comedian who you know and who everyone knows. He uh, met her at the comedy store, 
and was like, we should go out. She's like, all right. So we picked her up the next day at her house and brought her to the comedy store. Wow. They were at the comedy store. He was there for a little bit. Didn't really talk to her that much. And he's like, all right, cool. You want to go back to your place and fool around? And then he just brought her back to her place and tried to fuck her in his car in front of her apartment. Wow, so classy. And I was like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. Because, I mean, I'm like, she wasn't upset. She was like, no, dude, I'm not doing this, whatever. Then someone else a few weeks later told me the same story. I was like filling in the blanks for them. I go, let me guess. You went to the comedy store. Yeah. Then after that, took you home. Yes. Tried to fuck you. Yes. Oh, my God. So it's like. It's not a long list, but like it's usually, you know, I can't speak for being a female or, or a female comedian, but mm. it's like of the comedians in this city who frequently bone male comics, they don't seem to have taken off for it. Yeah, I think it was, for me, it was like I was trying the dating route. Like I thought I could date a comedian. So I was like, why did you want to? Uh, For the same reasons you said, they end up. Some, some, not all of them are creepy. Let's say that. Let's like give some of these male comics like the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, some are great. Yeah, I have a lot of like good friends that are male comedians that are in like relationships yeah. and they're actually like functioning humans mm-hmm. and don't give men a bad name, to my knowledge. But um, at the time, I was really fresh on the scene. I didn't realize how fresh on the scene I was and how much of like fresh meat I was gonna be. I was yeah. really naive. I was like twenty five, twenty six, and. I met this guy at an open mic and we hit it off and we were just like hanging out and bantering and it was all really innocent and like told you know as it happens with dating you find out later that yeah they're just it's it we were thinking different things Mm -hmm. and I found out and then I did your podcast and I was like yeah but I was fine Mm because I I realized during the situations I was like oh this is not the person for me Mm -hmm. because it ended up being really crazy but and I will not say their names. No, but we can for sure talk afterwards. We can talk. We can talk off air and reminisce. Yeah. Cause I think I think at the time when I was on your podcast, you did absolutely like say their name on the podcast and ask me if that was the person I was seeing. Oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> I, I, I think you saw me with them at at the Laugh Factory or something. That's funny. Yeah. Zero recollection. It's okay. It was a long time ago, and I really um, am only bringing it up for purposes of let's just set the time. So that's when we met. Mm-hmm. Um. And you, at the time, I think, had an album coming out? 2013. Um, or you were working on your album. You were, like, going on tour. Oh, yeah. I just, I, that's when I released uh, The Best of the Chris Army. Okay. Chris Newberg's Greatest yeah. Hits. That was my third record. And um, it was fine. And I think I was touring 2013. I was probably touring with Russell Peters at the time or myself. And what was that like? Touring, I mean, you've done the road. You know what the road's like. I do, but I want to hear your perspective because you mentioned Russell Peters. So that's well, I'm cool. trying to think of 2013. That's probably what I was doing. Okay. Um, I don't know. I would have to look up the exact year. Uh, you know, touring with a big comic. I mean, I've been on some big tours. Uh, touring with, with I toured with Dane for a long time, six or seven weeks, and that was pretty rock starry. I mean, that was the, the absolute tail end of his relevance, and, like, he was doing arenas we were playing 12 to 14,000 a night it was crazy wow. we were in the round it was there was no words but the social environment to it was the least fun thing ever like it was not a fun cool enjoyable tour off the off the stage um but that's you know it's fairly documented information of my feeling of 
how fun I think that human being is. But um, <laughs> Russell, I take you really like um, your fellows in comedy. I take. <laughs> I love I, you know what I literally enjoy every <laughs> single person in comedy with the exception of two people. Okay, him Which and, and we've, met, we've mentioned both of yeah, them. Yeah, and so I just far. have no interest in the other. Um, the but you know that doesn't mean those people aren't successful and wonderful people away from me, and it's nothing to do with me, but. It is what it is. There's people that you choose to associate with, and people are just like, I don't want to talk to that person. So where did you start stand-up? Michigan. Michigan. And how long did you do it there before you came to L.A.? Gosh, uh, four years, but I was going up every night. It was like seven nights a week, wow. two, three nights, two, three times a night. Like There was a good enough scene in Michigan where you could get up all the time, and I was up all the time, and it was just like laser-focused, and then I came out here to the screeching halt of reality that is the Los Angeles comedy scene mm-hmm. with too many comics, not enough spots, and so much politics. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because like, I think like listening to myself speak so far this, like I come across feeling or maybe sounding negative, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I just, it's like, no, it's just reality, yeah. I would say, of, of comedy and just being in LA. Yeah, and like I didn't even answer the Russell thing. Russell's the greatest thing ever to tour with. He's, it's the opposite of everything that the first one was mm-hmm. and it's like everyone's happy everyone's having a good time everyone's laughing constantly and it's like there's a big crew everything's great what was the first tour you ever went on first tour uh i think back in the day uh when i was in a band we went on the road with the band cracker you remember those those guys are like yeah <laughs> so happy Happy birthday to me. And then that's how you transitioned into comedy, or you were just a comedian on tour with a band? I turned 30, and I was like, I said, when I turned 30, I was like, if I'm, if, if I turn 30 and I'm up north in like northern Michigan at a bar playing covers, I'm out. Yeah. And I remember looking down at the set list. It was the third set, this bar full of people, and it was like, First song on the third set was American Girl. Second song was Like a Prayer. And I was like, I'm so out of here. So I gave the band two weeks and I just quit. Wow. Yeah. I finished. I'm like, I'll finish out every day booked. And then you went to comedy. I quit. I was like, I think I'm just going to go say, well, I did the best I could till I was 30. And that's that. And then I'll just figure out some sort of job or occupation to get into. I started my own business as a process server and legal courier private investigator type person and that became successful enough and then I was just like then I was at that weird situation where I was just like well I have a ton of money I'm very busy but I don't necessarily know if this is what I'm all about is having a ton of money and just like you know nice condo in in suburbs of of Detroit I had two cars it was just like had money could go wherever I wanted I was like I'm missing all the happiness all the cool things that performance bought me I didn't want to start doing music again because I didn't want to carry amps. I didn't want to worry <laughs> about messing up my ears anymore. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, I'll try, I'll, try, I'll try improvisation. So I started doing improv at Second City. And then one of the guys there was talking. He's like, my name is Martin Butler. He's like, I'm a comedian. I do acting. He's like, to me, uh, improvisation is like marijuana. Stand-up is like heroin. I'm like, I want some heroin. I want to see mm-hmm. what that's like. So I did a comedy class, and then I did an open mic, and I – loved it wow. and I just immediately transitioned and then four years later you were in LA four years later I was in LA uh yeah and did you come to LA because you had an opportunity or because you were just done with Michigan and you were like I need I, I need didn't have an opportunity I just made the decision I was just like I'm like I think I think my grandmother my, my grandmother raised me I think she passed and I had no real 
physical or family connection to mm-hmm. anymore. So I was like, I'm going to go. So I just packed up and I just moved out here blind, knew no one. I mean, I knew some people, but pretty much I, I moved into the valley, moved into this big, huge garage on top of a garage, big, huge uh, apartment on top of a four car garage in um, Studio City. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty much drunk for like three years because I just couldn't figure out, like, all I would do is take a ca- I would like literally, ritually, um, I would take a cab over uh, Laurel Canyon to the Improv, sit at the Improv, have some drinks, then try to get up. Some nights I could not. Most nights I could not. Some nights you could. And then I would go f- from there to um, Red Rock on Sunset. Mm-hmm, which is now St. Sulpa House. Yep. Hang so out this was like early 2000s? No, this was like 2004, 2005. Okay. And then uh, I would go to State Social, hang out there. Then I would end up over at Trocadero. Then I would end up over at uh, Body Shop. Because as long as I've been on the road in a band, the easiest people to talk to were strippers. <laughs> Just because they're friendly. Yeah, they want your money. But you can, go into a, you can go into a topless bar by yourself as a guy and you're not a creep. You're just a guy at a topless bar and a woman will talk to you. But if you go into a bar bar by yourself... As I learned back in the day, mm-hmm. you're a weird sailor in town that no one wants to talk to. So out of loneliness and whatever, I would hang out with a lot of strippers. And it was just like not a great quality of life, not fun, not like interesting, but it was just like the world in which I lived in. And then I just kept spinning my wheels and I would kept I'd try to get jobs and I try to get stuff and and just eventually it just clicked. But it was, you know, through many years of I should have moved out of here a long time ago. Like mm-hmm. had I just like followed the basic path of listening to what every sign on earth was telling me but i was like nope faith i'm gonna do this faith crying on your floor You're like this is uh this is horrible been there yeah. <laughs> and then when was the moment where you had hit that sweet spot where it was like okay i've made a name for myself here like i'm gonna keep going um well that's the thing i guess it depends on how you choose to judge yourself because the only person that you really ever need to impress obviously is you and Mm -hmm. social media has amplified ego to a point of poison and it's like when i first moved here just my space was just starting was just kind of starting you had your top friends and you know your buddy and everybody was best friends with like you know metal saunas or whoever the five or six you know, my spe- my space safe people are like you'd sit in your apartment because it was so new and so fascinating. You'd be like, "I'm on MySpace, refresh." I'm still on MySpace. Might do I have another comment or a like? Oh man, yeah. And you would just do that forever. And I was like, I would like get some alcohol and I'd sit in front of my computer and I'd just do that for a couple hours and roll out. And uh, I mean, I've I've guessed it's like it's not. I've made my living doing comedy for 20 years. I've always been funny, you know, and I've always worked from being funny. Uh, but the acknowledgement or, like, I guess people being aware of that I'm – people, be, people like, acknowledging how fun I am, funny I am has never been as much as I know I'm funny. But when did you, like – when, for you, did you think – like, what was the gig that made you go, oh, I'm going to make a living doing this now? Like, this is working? It happened before I moved out here. It was uh, – I remember it was, like – I think it was like one year after I'd quit the band, um, I got a gig because I started. I, I mean, I comedy took off for me super fast, like way faster than I was ready for the success I had with it. It was just like it. It was just 
it was meteoric because like I think within like a year of starting stand up I did Kimmel and I did Kimmel mm-hmm. from Detroit like they flew me out here I did Comedy Central Comedy Central flew me to Europe they flew me to New York to do all these specials it was like it was just so fast and then I just I wasn't ready it's like most people it's the exact same situation I'm like early 30s and I'm just like I don't know what I'm doing and it's like but I was young I was more attractive I assume and I was just like <laughs> you're just like you have this youthful energy that people think this kid knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. it's like no I was just different I had short comedy songs whereas no one who was doing comedy had short comedy songs and initially it was just really funny to see because I remember Anne I don't know what her married name is but she runs Comedy Central um she, she initially was all about me she thought I was the greatest thing ever which is why I booked all the Comedy Central stuff but then eventually she's like, well, yeah, your act is confusing because it's like you just do short comedy songs and you just do some jokes in between and all your stuff is funny, but it's just confusing. You should either put down the guitar or play longer songs. And I was just like, bitch, you've been telling me that I'm great <laughs> forever. And now you're like, but it was my way of saying, OK, I need to evolve. So the evolution, I d- it was like one of those things where I was like, well, this is a major comedy executive telling me I should explore different things so i did and i mean i still do both but i switch it up and anyways to, to answer your question because i went on a tangent it was like it's a year okay, it was a good tangent it was a year after the band started or after i quit the band i booked a gig opening up for the amazing jonathan at uh meadowbrook which is probably the size of the greek theater about seven thousand or something and it was in michigan it's a shed and it was sold out it was incredible i had no idea who the amazing jonathan was he's this hysterical uh comedian but he's super dark like stabs himself in the face and like kills his assistant but he's really funny um he doesn't legit kill his assistant but like you know and so i walked on stage and i was like okay cool i'm gonna do this so i went i performed and it was like i got a standing ovation for like seven thousand people and i was like holy spoiled forever now i'm like this is crazy and i remember bringing with me a hundred cds and I was like, oh, I'm going to sell 100 C. I'm like, oh, man, I go, I wonder how many I'm going to sell. That's going to be so cool. And I, uh, I, I walked to the back of the hill to watch Amazing John. Like, I walked around the side, and I'm sitting at the top of the hill, and I'm watching him. And the merch stand is, like, down the hill here. And um, the show ends, and, like, it was overwhelming how many people were coming up to me saying how great it was, and we really loved your show, and it was wonderful. And uh, I... Uh, went down to the merch stand afterwards just so I was going to see uh, like how many CDs I sold and they said I sold out halfway through my set and I was uh. like oh my gosh that's great so I was like okay this is a good job and then I realized that the band I'd quit was playing the exact same club where I quit a year earlier and I was like okay this is what I'm going to do and I just kind of went all in and mm-hmm. that's what I've done since wow it's crazy okay so now back to 2013 um, we meet. I That's when real things really started to happen. I changed your life. Changed life. It was like a lightning bolt. Yeah, you were like, this girl needs some coaching. <laughs> I'm going to help her. Yeah. Um, and then you became my manager, and then my career took off. Yeah. That's why I have this podcast Yeah, now. it's actually your apartment. Yeah, this is my huge apartment. I just moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but, okay, so circle back. So that's cool. So um, I f- that's really interesting that you can't. You had that success, and then you came to L.A., and then everything was kind of shitty, but then you still kind of stuck it out. Because what what were you doing? Like, did you still have your private investigator money when you had that, like, 
yeah, but small like stint when you weren't really figuring out LA yet, or yeah, but like you can burn through like forty thousand dollars not doing anything in LA pretty quick. Yeah, especially just paying rent. Yeah, just paying rent, whatever, not having any income, and it's like, so it like I, I was like I, I literally went through. I made it. I was stubborn. It was unnecessary. I didn't. No one taught me anything. Like I didn't know. I had to learn all of this stuff myself. I didn't know that. I probably could have jo- gotten a job writing on a show much earlier. I probably couldn't. I probably could have done all of these different things to supplement my income. But I was like, no, stand up's the only thing I'm going to do. And you know that the only amount of money that you make here doing stand up, even if you're working every night of the week, is like probably 300 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's like it's impossible, and it's like to make a living or a, a, a good living if you want to like eat and stuff. You know. Yeah, you have to be on the road. To be on the road, so you have to leave here. It's so hard to li- like everything is so expensive to fly out of. I lived in my car for a while. It was just like I went through all of it. I remember sleeping at like I was bouncing back and forth. Like I stayed at Chris Porter's house whenever he was out of town. Chris Porter's the greatest dude ever. Like just such a like you'll never meet anybody who doesn't think he's the coolest. You know Chris? I don't think I know Chris. Chris no. is great. He's one of the funniest people ever. So nice. Like crashed at his place. I remember crashing in Eliza's guest bedroom for a while. Like just different places on and like in my car floors wherever, and it was like and eventually like it paid off and it's like I just went through all of those things to know that it, like I could do it and I just remember like there's there's something like being in your I think it was early forties it was early forties or maybe early forties late thirties I think is when that went down it was just so horrible like the experience of just being like I really believe in what I'm doing I know that something's gonna happen. I know I'm good at this. I know I'm right. I'm so fucking hungry. I'm really good at this. I'm so going to make it. I'm doing whatever. Oh, gross. The person whose house I'm crashing at is fucking in the closet with some girl. (laughs) You know, it's just like, and you have all of these different, you're like, I have no personal space. I have nothing. But, you know, looking back at it now, it's like, I like, I hope to be in a much bigger apartment with a much better stuff 10 years from now than 10 years ago. And I have zero doubt that I'm on that path to do that. So aside from like all the monetary stuff and and getting all the cool things and having things so far where you're at today with comedy like what's the n- like what's the next thing that's exciting you like I know you've been working on some shows and over the last since I've known you over the last 7 years you've been writing a lot like what's the one of the shows that you did the longest that sort of made you want to stick that out because I was obviously writing for TV is like you could sell a pilot and yeah, it didn't I do anything and then you have to fucking figure it out. Yeah, I I'd actually I myself and uh, Daniel Weingarten sold a pilot to Paramount, uh, this Mars competition show, and it was just like this survival thing. It was incredible the way it happened. It was just like I came up with this with this escape room idea show because I think like everyone on Earth had an escape room idea show, none that we've ever seen yet. It's just like heavily pitched. No one really digs it anyways. It's much cooler to experience than to watch. And I remember taking it to this production company with him. And I actually called him and I said, we make the deck for this idea. He's like, what's the idea? I told him, he's like, oh, it's a really cool idea. So I was like, cool. We go, we pitch it to this production company. He's like, cool. We, he's like, I like it, but it's not. He's like, it's something. He's like, what about Mars? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Mars. So like, sure, w- of course. So then we spend two or three weeks spitballing and turn, turning the show into this Mars competition show. Oh, wow. we, pi- we pitched CBS, we pitched, <laughs> you know, like A&E and like, you know, everybody that we could possibly push. And then finally Amazon buys it. They're like, they want to, they want to see, they're going to give us money for a deck 
and they're going to give us money to come up with a pilot presentation. I was like, oh my God, that's great. How much do we get? We get $20,000. I'm like, oh my God, our idea got $20,000. That's just the beginning. And then like through negotiations and like prior to us even having like whether or not the results of the show, it's like you get all excited, you sell the show and you're like, I sold a show to Paramount, which on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, proud to announce I'm whatever sort of thing is 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 amazing. But the reality Mm -hmm. of it, it was just like, they wouldn't give us created by they wouldn't give us executive producer. They gave us producer credits, not even co-EPs, just producer credits. And they ended up spending $20,000. The production company spent $20,000 allegedly to make this deck. So we saw $0 of it. And then Paramount saw the deck and were like, pass. So they just took your idea and Took your idea and shelved it. And nothing happened. Yeah, and I think Paramount has a Mars show out. So I think it's very common for people to just take anything that's similar. Take ideas. Just shelve it. Weinstein did that all the time with movies back in the day. He's like, I'll buy that movie and I'll never see light of day. It's really fucked up. It is fucked (laughs) up. But it's like, I'm currently, I'm writing a pilot right now uh, with this guy, Andy. And Andy is a guy who is, it's like, we'll talk about weird. He's like, he's this great story guy. He was like one of the story, I think he was a story guy for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like he didn't write it, but he came up with a story for that, and it's oh such cool. a crazy, weird movie. It's I really love that movie. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. There's so many twists. There's so many whatever, and it's just like working with him. He's insane, and it's good. And we've been writing this pilot for like three months, and we're not like maybe halfway finished doing that. What's the? Can you talk a little bit about it? Or uh, I mean, not really, but it's fun. That's know. cool. Yeah. And then you did a show. You were working on a show for a long time. Wait. The pilot's about how <laughs> in 2013 I met this girl <laughs> at the den or at Laugh Factory. and uh, Told her not to date male yeah, comics. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> and then she didn't And then listen. she did with yeah. an abandon. Yeah. <laughs> and then I almost, I then I dated one for three years. You dated a kid. That's right. And, it, and I surpassed him in comedy. And I think that what caused the big rift. Um, and then I ruined my life for a little bit. And then I left him. And now we're here. Yeah. And everything is amazing. I remember, you You have to tell me this. Um, I know that you're supposed to be interviewing me, but That's several okay. months and or years ago and or last week, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. you were looking for a date for something. And you posted on your page <laughs> that you were you were looking for who, who must look good in a suit and can't be a creep. Did you find a person? Oh my god! So last year I um, needed a date to this like really fancy holiday party at the Mayfair in downtown, and everyone could br- could bring a plus one. And I um, actually was posted that one as a joke. Two, because I just wanted to see who would reply. And three, the person I really wanted to go as my date, I was hoping they would see it and then reply. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I got flooded. I'm not trying to sound conceited. I just got flooded because I think I made the event sound really cool, too. Like, my whole... It was like a Craigslist ad. I, like, said all the accoutrement that was going to be there and, like, there was going to be cool shit and free food and open bar. Um, Yeah, I got probably, like, 45... Um, dudes, some most of which were extremely creepy, and I wouldn't even like let within a ten foot radius of me because they're just like creepy people on Facebook that follow me. Right. And then others were like, actually, by the end of it, I was like, oh my god, I should have asked this one dude, and 
We'd be married by now or something. But you and I had so much fun that night at the party. <laughs> it was so good. I think you, I forget what you commented, but you said something really sarcastic or you were just like, I'm going to sit and watch this with popcorn or something. <laughs> like you were like, I'm just going to wait and see what happens and see how it pans out. Yeah. And the person that I wanted at the time to be my date did end up like texting me because they saw that and saying like, Did oh. you, is that who you took? Um, no. So I ended up not taking anyone. When all was said and done, because I was like, I don't even want to deal with having to bring a person. You had the best time? I had the best time. Because <sighs> I remember the time that you and I went out, I picked you up and we <laughs> went straight to the comedy store. <laughs> and then after the comedy store, I took you back <laughs> to your place <laughs> and uh, I put the moves on you in my car. <laughs> That's a callback. Uh, we've never hung out outside of I don't think we've ever friend like groups and just like being in social settings where it was like, because we had to because of comedy. Yeah. Um, which I like to keep a lot of my male comedian relationships that way now. Yeah. Um, do you find that? Do you find it? 2014. Do you find that as a an attractive single woman in her 30s? 30s. Early 30s. Uh, Very nice of you to say, by the way. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself where as like, first off, no disrespect. I mean, am I am I allowed to say attractive, confident, <laughs> single woman? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I'm not your. Yeah, there's no HR here. Okay, great. So, <laughs> um, but do you find people? Are you're at the age where people are like, oh, what about Lori? And like, these are people who you've been friends with, who dudes haven't like really connected with someone, and now all of a sudden, a potential friendship situation that's always been a friendship situation in your eyes is heightened by their all of a sudden urgency to connect with you because they don't have someone and they're just like, they've been looking at you forever, but now they're like, Oh yeah. What about her? Does that happen a lot? Um, I don't know if it necessarily happens that way. I mean, it has happened. I think that I have had, um, male friends that over the years we were like, Oh my God, we've been friends for so long. Why have we not tried to date? Um, before I stopped drinking, uh-huh. that happened a couple of times, like right when I got single after I got out of my last relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people came out of the woodwork that I was like, I had no idea you, they were even interested or like it was so platonic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ruined it all. <laughs> I like to, I used to like to um, light matches on everything. <laughs> and then I got sober. And um, more recently, I would say in the last like six months, uh, it's been more apparent that there are some prospects where I've looked at people differently. Well, that's good. Because I'm just in a different place in life and um, on this path to try to figure out what success really is. Obviously, we kind of bring the podcast back in. Oh, did I, did I take it to a bad place? Not at all. No, no, no. It always turns into a dating podcast by then. I don't know why. Oh, I no. I mean, like, success is 100% whatever you think success is. And I think relationships and also what's going on in your life and, and where you're at and whether or not you love yourself also contributes to success and um but to answer your question um yes and no Mm -hmm. there there yeah yeah it has been happening um but it's it is kind of weird sometimes because you're sort of like especially if you're the person that liked that person for a long time Mm -hmm. and they never really gave you the time of day like a very like 16 candles type deal Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're sort of like what's the motive or I've noticed a lot of people since I've um, started doing more. Yeah. 
they can stand up and maybe I just seem happier. People have like started taking notice more and try to hang out more recently. Well, success is not necessarily only attractive. It's necessary for any sort of relationship to exist. I mean, if there's no personal or professional success, you can't find yourself happy enough to want to be with someone else. Yeah, but don't you see all these relationships in LA where people are like, like some loser girl who just takes pictures of herself all day on Instagram. She doesn't do anything. She like lives at her parents' house and then she has like some fucking dude that's like madly in love with her and wants to marry her and shit. I suppose. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I see that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see like, okay, so I met my girlfriend seven years ago at the den. Mm-hmm. She was in town working on X Factor she was in a girl group and met her i immediately i was like i love this woman she's amazing but i was so fucking poor and i couldn't do anything about it mm-hmm. and she was like i'm moving to florida and i was like no florida yeah and so she moved to florida but i was like if you ever come back in here again i'm like i'm gonna be more successful and i'm never letting you leave and she's like yeah okay so we kind of stayed in touch over the six years and mm-hmm. then uh i saw that she was in town and I reached out to her. This was last year. I reached out to her and I said, hey, you want to go grab a drink? How, let's meet where we met the first time. She's like, oh, my God, okay, sure. So she came here. She, we met at the den again. We had drinks for like two hours, two and a half hours. And then she's like, I'm going back to Maine because she was living in Maine then. Wow. And what then was in, what's in Maine? She was living with some guy in Maine and they were mm. near the end of their relationship. Mm. So I was just like. I was like, all right, it was great seeing you. Just a cheek kiss, whatever. And I couldn't stop thinking about her. Like a week later, I was watching football. Just a little bit. I was a little bit buzzed, but I was still just whatever. I picked up the phone. I called her. I'm like, what are you doing next Friday? She's like, working. Why? And I'm like, can you get it off? She goes, what do you want? I said, let me fly you to Vegas. Like, oh, if you have a great date with me, we have a good time. I'm going to see my friend perform. If you have a good time, consider dating me. She's like, you're out of your fucking mind. And she's like, she's like, well, I'm just going to go there. It's just going to be like a friends thing. I go, nope, it's a date. That's all, that's the offer that's on the table. It's a date if you want to do it. If you don't, I understand. I said, let me know by tomorrow because I'll buy the ticket. And I just, she said, okay. And I hung up on her. She called me back 30 minutes later. She goes, let's do it. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. And I go, okay. So, like, again, she was going through a breakup. And mm-hmm. she was like, fine, let's do it. We went, to, went out to Vegas. We had the greatest time ever. I went back and forth to Maine two or three times. She moved here. January 1st, January 2nd. We've lived together since, and she's wow. wonderful. So that's how it happens. That's, I mean, in this particular case, it happens, and, you know, it's like we don't fight, really. And it's like she's great. I love her. She's great. That's amazing. So when she came out here, did she go back to, like, um, doing entertainment? She's or? trying. She, she's a really good singer, and uh, so she's just like freelance things every once in a while and she oh, that's cool. and she's also a model yeah she's really hot i've seen her on instagram thank you and so she gets gigs that way but she works at a movie theater she is the bartender at amc mm. in the interim doing yeah. the side hustle we all do yeah i did that for five years yeah mm. now you just do comedy i wish okay, <laughs> no now i have like a legit like i don't have to work like five jobs like i got like a a really dope eight to five that's great and insurance health bennies. insurance oh. benefits for um, the win what is know, it they know i do stand up um i work at a design firm downtown nice yeah so i just i'm in a creative like environment and 
it's helped me to be able to create stability for myself and to just like have something to do every day and feel good and not feel like I'm constantly chasing um, this thing that a lot of times seems impossible and not necessarily like a backup plan, but just sort of like stability because I struggled in my 20s. I don't want to do that shit anymore. I'm going to be 34 in like two weeks. Yeah. And I just kind of had to make a decision. I mean, obviously there were a lot of things around it that made me make that decision. Um, and now, you know, I get to do stand up whenever I want, but I do have to hustle. I yeah. still like I took some time off and now I feel like without having alcohol to help like numb things, um, I've had to sort of rework everything and start over. So I started a podcast. Cause I was like, I want to talk to my friends yeah. and reminisce and see w- what they're doing. And it's a weird, creepy world, the podcast world, isn't it? It is. It is weird. Like, I, I'm i having a good time, though, because I think I'm learning a lot. This is the 14th episode. Nice. You are number 14. Score. Sorry, I lied. 15. Oh, you better. Damn it. That's I did that the other that's day. That's way better in numerology. Yeah. Way five is actually one of my favorite numbers. I was going to say, five is probably one of your favorite numbers, isn't it? Yeah, because I was... I d- it just is, but um, but yeah, it's cool to like be able to sit down with people and sort of just like shoot the shit and hear their story and hear how they got to where they are, and then you know have it to turn to other conversations. And yeah, um, I only agreed to do the podcast so I could question you about your dating life. That's the only why reason is that because you're setting me up for your podcast that you I'm supposed to be on. Uh, yeah, but mine has nothing to do with dating. Mine's all about uh, mine's called heroin has a great publicist mm-hmm. and it's about things that are fucked that we do anyway like heroin <laughs> <laughs> dating, dating gam- gambling being um, on the apps i went off the dating apps that's good in june you're so lovely like you, you you're, no, you're not dating at all i know i am i um i don't i don't have like any problems like i i think right now because of just this new stage of my life that i'm in in this like transition um oh you're like transitioning <laughs> yeah I, oh my god i have to remember now that i need to clarify my transition from being a person that partied a lot to a person that is now sober like my all my focus has gone to you know self-care and like being a functioning human in society so i can actually focus on career you know like I, I was really, I was doing stand up all the time. I was getting shows, but I don't think I was very like. I think people liked me, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was gonna go anywhere if I stayed on the path that I was on. And I couldn't keep a relationship together. Yeah. You know, I was just all over the place. Yeah. So now I'm just really careful. Like I am dating. I go on dates. That's good. Um, I hang out with people. Nice. But it's complicated because I attract complicated people (laughs) i like artists i like people that um you know work in the same type of field as i do so that complicates things sure either they're just off and running and doing their own thing um or it's timing or i i don't know i don't know i think just right now everything is going exactly how it's supposed to but do i still try to light a match on everything all the time does that mean just torch it yeah sometimes i just get i get uncomfortable when things are there's too much like there's not enough communication i guess 
or when it's like kind of still new but I'm not sure where the person's at, I get uncomfortable. So if I don't know where I stand, mm-hmm. um, my immediate default is to just say Yeah, to just say something or to like make a snarky comment just so it'll just all end. I don't know. And that's a pattern I'm trying to work on. Because I think it's just easier sometimes. It's like you start to like someone and then I'm like, fuck, this is going to take time or or it's going to be really uncomfortable for me because all of the shit that I used to push down is coming out. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's one of those things where being single the majority of my existence, it's like the last relationship I was in, it was like I tried to do all of those things to make it perfect. I was like, let's do this and whatever. Mm-hmm. This girl just did not want that. She just hated me. And it was just like one of those things where it's like you can't, you know, pull blood from a stone or whatever. But the situation that's now, though not perfect, like nothing is, it's mm. just so perfect. Yeah. And it's just like it does exist. It's very unicorny. Yeah, it has to. I guess it has to be easy. And when things sometimes aren't easy, I think, oh, it's not meant to be because this is this is work or this person has too much going on or they don't have time for me. or So I like go to this place of. I'm the problem, or I, I need to be doing that. I don't know. It's weird. Los Angeles is a great place for just to think that you are the problem. Yeah, to just think like, oh, if I, I don't know. It's fucked up. But uh, today, I think I'm in a good place. Like I have a really, I feel, really well rounded and like stable, and you know, financially, I'm good. Like. I don't have a lot of stresses. The only stress is probably just the stress that I put on myself and sure. like the pressure. You know, um, I used to get really fixated on what everyone else was doing and like this person's so successful and they're doing this and I should be doing this and but I can't do that because I have to work this fucking day job because if I don't work the day job then I don't have the apartment and I don't and then I won't have a car and like I just like it's this vicious cycle of all these worries and like being in all this fear when it's okay. That, like, I go up two, three times a week or yeah. I take a week off because I have to do something for myself or sure. I have to, like, do my job, you know? Yeah. But it's hard to remember that sometimes when you're, like, in the cycle. Right. So, um, where are you at? So, I'm really excited to hear that, like, you're in a really healthy relationship because I think to kind of echo what you said, yeah, having a good relationship and then also feeling good about yourself really does reflect, like, where your career can go, and I think it helps to have everything in your life kind of line up. And Yeah, it does, agree. and it, I had a, well, like, I had to go, fu- I had a come-to-Jesus meeting with my doctor, like, a year, not a year, like, a month ago. Um, I went into the, like, when I got off the show, that's like one of the things that the, the and what show? I was on Confetti, the it's it, Facebook's version of HQ. Mm-hmm. It was like n- Facebook didn't promote it at all. It was a live show that was on five times a week that was on for 14 months. Mm-hmm. It's like paid just for like a regular show. It was great. That said, it was over. But you're surrounded by craft services. So like normally I weigh 210 pounds. Like that's how much I weigh when I'm normal. Yeah, I was going to say you look great. Thanks. I got up to 237. And like, so I went in and the doctor's like, your blood pressure is like 210 over, go fuck yourself. That's a lot. She's like, you're so out of shape. She's like, your thyroid's failing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, huh. And so she's like, you need to lose weight, like now. And I'm like, how much? She's like, well, come back in two weeks down five pounds. I'm like, done. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I just got, I turned into a crazy person. 
and it's just like I think I dropped I think I'm down 20 I'm, I'm at 211 so nice. I, dropped, I dropped 26 pounds I'm a pound away but now I want to get down below 200 but it's like the inspiration and motivation and hard work that she saw that I did that was inspiring for her because mm-hmm. she's this big and eats whatever she wants which is annoying <laughs> but yeah but it's like it definitely helped me go hey i care about our relationship you know it helped her think oh he cares about a relationship he's not going to eat an entire pizza right like and you want to feel good about yourself yeah and you want to especially when you're in a relationship and you want to feel good like have that person feel good and i do think that is how a person takes care of themselves especially when you're in a relationship yeah. is a direct reflection on how you feel about everything because 100%. when i when i had put on I had put on a ton of weight for me, mm-hmm. being 4'11". Everyone I talked to was like, you weren't fat. But for me, it was a lot of, it was a noticeable amount of weight to where I go hang out, like, at the comedy store. Or, like, I'll go somewhere and people haven't seen me for a while. And they're like, holy shit, like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I, lo- I don't know if you saw me, like, a couple years ago, but I was the same. I got up to, like, 136 pounds and on a 4'11 frame, that's not. Not healthy. No. I mean, I wasn't unhealthy. I didn't have diabetes or anything. Right. I just was, like, really, like, puffy. I was, like, that's the best way to put it. I was just puffy. I had really big boobs, which I would never had before. It was almost like I went through puberty at 30. Right. It was fucking crazy. I like, the hugest ass. I mean, people were not upset, I guess, about it. But I didn't, when I looked in the mirror, and, like, I couldn't put on jeans that fit me, like, a year before. Like, it was, like, crazy. It was, like, what am I doing? Oh, I'm really depressed. I'm in a really volatile relationship, but all we do is drink and like eat fast food at two in the morning because we're just fucking depressed and we're just like coexisting in this condo and we're not, neither of us is doing what we used, you know, all the things we used to like to do. Like it was really bad. I was like on this really crazy path and I just said one day, I was like, fuck this. Like I'm out. And I, I quit everything. I quit my job. I quit the relationship. I moved. I didn't quit the boozing, but I started working out a ton, and then that wasn't working. I think I lost, like, 10 pounds straight away, but it was. I still was, like, feeling like shit. I was like, I, f- I still hate myself. I hate everything, and then sobriety happened, and then it was, like, crazy. It was like, I think I lost... I think I I lost 20, same as you, like 22 to 25 pounds, like really fast. Right. It was like the minute you change your, like really change your lifestyle. Yeah. Because you don't really drink that much. Um, I do, but I don't, I drink more like an old guy approach. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll sip tequila like a gentleman. I'm not going to go to the bar and like pound shots and whatever. Like right. I'll have a beer with food, mm-hmm. you know, once in a while. But I, I like... My body can't physically appreciate it like I used to. Like, yeah, at 49, I'm like... You look so young, by the way. Thank you. I but, like, I'm going to stop drinking when I don't feel good. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. I, I'll have... Last night, I went to... Here's an example or sample of my drinking habits. Mm-hmm. So, last night, I went to a comedy show with Bar Lubitsch. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a half a shot of tequila here. Sipped it while she got ready. Got there two drinks came home and i was like she's like let's go to a club she's 28 you know she's like ah let's go to a club (laughs) and i'm like if i can get her back to the house (laughs) and like get some water in me i could probably pull this off yeah maybe she won't want to (laughs) go and so 
got back here and she's like I'm like do you want a glass of wine she's like I'll have a glass of wine and I was like I just started drinking water I was done yeah. and I'm like and then next thing I know she's like I'm tired I don't know if we should go to the club the wine's a good <laughs> trick <laughs> so two or three drinks for me from back in the day when I was doing a bottle plus of tequila when I first moved here like being sad in my apartment yeah but you also think like was nothing happening because I was drinking a bottle and a half of alcohol a day I probably mean, yeah how do you I would look at pictures of me then. I would be like, fuck, what the hell? Well, it's so crazy because when I first started doing stand-up, yeah. my drinking habits were the same as they were when I hit 30. Mm-hmm. But the difference, and I would always be like, God, I was like a fucking size one, which is really small. Mm-hmm. I was like a 24. I'm a zero, but go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would look at pictures, and I would always look fucking Facebook, like Throwback Thursday and mm-hmm. all that shit. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I peaked at like 26, you right. know? And then I'm 30, and I'm like, oh, my God, my mom was right. Like, your bo- everyone's body changes. The minute you hit 30, your hormones change, guy, girl. And, mm-hmm. like, you just can't do the shit you used to do in your 20s mm-hmm. and not work out and not, like, be conscious of all of it. So I was doing everything I was still doing in my 20s, and I, but I wasn't working out as much. Gotcha. And you, ha- you have to. And also, it makes you happier. Yeah. I, like, now I – now – I really will say, like, anyone that's listening that is, like, struggling with weight or you, like, are, I just need to lose 10 more pounds, honest to God, quit drinking alcohol for 30 days. Yeah, you'll drop it. You'll Mm. drop it. And then the way to maintain, really look at what you're drinking. Tequila is great because it doesn't turn into fat. Mm -hmm. Your body breaks it down. It's natural. Um, Vodka, actually, you have to look at the kind of vodka. It's not potato vodka. Yeah, it's a lot of sugar. And then... Um, mixers are bad. Mixers are really bad. Mixers are really bad. And then if you are going to have a beer, like you can't do it regularly. No. And cause I, that's like drinking, you're basically having a loaf of bread. Yeah. And I loved beer. That's how I got so fucking puffy. And I lived across the street at the time when I really got up to my like highest weight. I lived across the street from a bar and a liquor store. Nice. And then I'm a sad girl. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my apartment, 2017, early 2018. I'm this sad girl and I'm partying. And I'm trying to do stand-up because I'm single again. So I'm like, oh, I have so much to talk about. Let's just talk about dicks and, right. and what it's like to finally be having sex again. Because <laughs> when you get into a relationship after a while, you stop having sex. Sure. And, uh, yeah, and I packed on the pounds. And I was like, oh, I have boobs. Like, this is great. And then I looked in the mirror one day, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm like a size 6 to an 8, which for someone who's 4'11", you might as well just go kill yourself. So right. I'm just kidding. I know. No. Um, but... Now I'm skinnier than I was. Yeah, when I saw you, when we were hiking, and I saw you coming forward, I thought, that is one of the most attractive women I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> oh, it's Lori. <laughs> That's exactly what I was no like. Oh, way. it's Lori. <laughs> no, I was like, that looks like Lori, but they couldn't be because she's so tiny. Because you were like, really? because you've slimmed down so much. Yeah. And I've, it's not because I'm like trying to be skinnier. I'm really not. I think no, it's, it's just I, I eat regular food. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't eat a ton of crap. I'll eat pizza. I still eat pizza. Yeah, I can't give up potato chips. That's my yeah. thing. Can't. Gotta do but it. But d- look for something that has a lot of less sodium because the salt is what makes people puffy. Yeah, I don't do like I'm. I'm I loved salt. I'm such a good eater now. Like no candy, no ranch. I give up ranch. <gasps> you know, all Chinese food, all like pizza. I give up pizza, mostly Fuck. cheese. 
Jeez, man, you're really doing it. I'm doing like so focused, but I'll still have my weaknesses. Like I will let myself have peanut butter and jelly, and I will let myself have potato chips. That's my. Those are my. That's you know my what you should supplement so you can still have cheese and like pizza. Hmm. Stop drinking alcohol for a while. I don't. Yeah, I'm probably not gonna give up alcohol either. Like, cause I just like it doesn't. It doesn't impact my. Is like it doesn't like I'm hi- if I am alcoholic I'm highly functioning. Oh no, I don't mean like that. I just mean if you if you wanna. Oh no, it's like I continue to lose because it's like I'm literally exercising. Yeah, you're active. And yeah. like and like my 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 diet is the same way. It's like in the morning I'm it's always steel cut oats and granola wow. with a little bit of yogurt. Nice. Lunch uh after this I'm gonna go make myself a salad that's gonna be ma- the majority kidney beans, garbanzos, spinach, broccoli, and cauliflower. Mm-hmm. And then for dinner I'll have probably. I think tonight she's making me she's making me pasta, but like you could do like chill. the spinach pasta. Yeah, it's chill. Something. I mean, like I've definitely had to, if I wouldn't have success, I would definitely like <laughs> quit the alcohol. But like my blood pressure is normal. Everything's cool. That's you good. No, 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 no. I was looking. I was like, wow, we've we have time. Um, How much time have we been talking? We've been talking for fifty six minutes. Well, we've only been forty five minutes. We're about to end the hour. Really? You think so? I'm sure it is. Like yeah. Okay, so so I want to know, um, no one ever answers this, really. They, like, go really roundabout, but I want you to fucking answer. What am I doing wrong, and how can I be a better comedian and be successful like you? Um, well, I think you don't know what I do to answer this fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I just, like, the l- it's, you know, just humor me. It's the point of the podcast. I give everyone opportunity to give me one thing. Okay. I'll accept that. Thank you. Well, um, what are you doing right now? Like these are the last things. So you're you're still writing shows. Which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> that was I'm your main credit. My main credit. Um, I am, I just recorded a follow-up to it. Uh, did, uh, so that's going to be my sixth comedy record. Wow. And where did you record that at? In Detroit. It's going to be called Detroit. My next album is going to be called Detroit Style Comedy. Nice. I'm very excited about it. Um, Detroit Rock City. Yep. Um, that's that. I'm just going to continue to write. Um, I have to wait till I get my computer back on Tuesday. Michelle fucking spilled water on it. I'm so mad at her. <laughs> she was watching. She was watching Glow, and uh, uh, it was it was it was ironic. I was over at Jackie Ton's house, who plays Madison on Glow. Mm-hmm. We were writing songs together. She texts me, y- "You're gonna hate how ironic this is," and I'm like, "Why?" She's like, "Well, I know you're with Jackie from Glow," and I go, "Yeah." She goes, I just was watching Glow, and I spilled water on your computer, and now it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I go, why did you have water near my computer? She didn't do it on purpose. I go, you kind of did, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I got mad. 
that was a fun fight but mm. it was over in an hour it was like so i just took it to the max store you know how hard it is to write on your phone like jokes yeah. you know how hard it is to write scripts on your phone script yeah i write all my jokes on my phone yeah because I, I can write statuses on my phone well because i don't like sit i'm not one of those people that i can't sit and try to write because i'm one of those people that if you try to tell me like all right you have to sit here and for the next hour you have to write something mm-hmm. i'm gonna be like fuck you that my brain is just like nah but as I'm out in the world, like living, mm-hmm. I'll think of stuff and then I write it yeah. and then later I'll perform it and then I'll listen to it and then I'll try to yeah. rewrite it. But don't I ever get a job in a writer's room. You literally <laughs> show up at 6 a.m. and they're like, don't leave till 9 p.m. to have 150 jokes left. Well, if I'm with left. people, if yeah. I'm with people, I can do stuff. I can like be a part of a team. Right. But if I'm just by myself and someone's like write something i'll write a bunch of ideas i have a ton of script ideas mm-hmm. a fucking ton i have like a lot of premises mm-hmm. i wrote i pitched something to someone the other day and like they're really interested in it but i'm not going to give it to them so maybe i'll give it to you yay um but that's rad yeah i'm sorry about the water i'm glad it's getting fixed yeah, thank god for technology is. Money's, money's money money's money it's whatever and you had your first fight and you survived good yeah, congratulations i remember we were driving to vegas i go and i picked her up and because uh, I went and rented a car because I don't like driving my car across mm-hmm. the desert. Yeah. And uh, I picked her up in the car. I'm like, all right, you want to do this? And I think like, like, let's give ourselves like 15 minutes. And I said, then we're done. We can be done with it and have a good time. She's like, okay. No screaming. No whatever. I just said everything that was fucked up about it. She apologized, took ownership, said some things. And then I was like, all right, are you done? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. I kissed her. And then we just had the greatest time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's not real. It's not fantasy. It's fantasy unicorn stuff. But I loved being on the show. Thank and I'm you. I'm so hungry, so I'm going yeah, to Yeah, it's okay. I have me. to run because I have to do um, episode 16. Oh, good. Wh- who's who's this? episode? This is going to be um, my really good friend, Paige Smith. She's a contemporary artist. She mm-hmm. does a, l- um, a lot of like installations all around town. She actually, most recently for the last year, had a r- um, huge installation up in the Tom Bradley Terminal. She was commissioned for that. Oh, that's amazing. Make sure that yeah. you spend one minute of her podcast talking about the podcast you just did. <laughs> Because if Paige is going to take one of my <laughs> minutes, you better take one of hers. Well, you asked <laughs> where I, I was going. Well, thank you for having me, Lori. Thanks, Chris. Um, can you tell everyone your social really fast? Or sure. If you want to listen to my podcast, it's called Heroin Has a Great Publicist. It's on everywhere that you pod. Uh, and other than that, I'm the Chris Army. T-H-E-C-H-R-I-S-A-R-M-Y at everything. Thanks for having me in your home. Thanks for being less successful than me. Yeah. Right. Bye. Bye.